Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. The Radical Up podcast is produced in partnership with AmericanFirearms.org. American Firearms' mission is to recommend what works. We believe everyone deserves access to unbiased, helpful information about firearms. And our buying guides, product reviews, and learning resources are designed to help real people find the stuff that will work best for them. Check us out at www.americanfirearms.org. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Red Club Podcast. I am here with my friend Hunter Constantine. So he is a competitive shooter, a firearms instructor, but most importantly, he's a content creator working with some of the biggest name brands out there, which we'll talk about today. Um, and I'll just call him the most interesting child, man child alive. So <laughs> Hunter, thanks for coming. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for having me, Kenzie. I'm excited to be one of the first guests on this podcast. Super excited for uh, what you're doing and what this can turn into. So um, I think it's great having outlets for uh, like-minded people to speak their mind and to listen to because I love putting on podcasts when I'm driving, cruising different matches, practice, whatever. Um, And it's pretty limited. There's not, there's some out there. but I think it's always good to have more and just have some more variety, different people. Thanks. Yeah, I know. I used to listen to, listen to a three-gun show a lot. And I know he's still creating mm-hmm. some episodes here and there, but like not at the scale he was. Where it was yeah. every flight. I used to listen to uh, like Eric and Tim on, uh, they changed the name like halfway through. But uh, I don't even remember the name. That we like so shooting. Oh, God. No, I don't know. But like. Yeah. And anyways, but like, I used to love listening to that, especially when I was first getting started in competition shooting. Cause I was like, I want to learn everything. I need to know everything. What do we got? You know? And, yep. uh, just another outlet to learn. For sure. So I actually don't know your background. This will be really fun. Uh, oh. yeah. So like, first of all, actually we can skip, what do you do for a living? But I want to know about that at some point, but let's talk about shooting. Um, okay. yeah, when did firearms like even come into the picture? All right. Um, We'll go back to when I fired my very first shot in my life. Okay. Um, that was when I was 18 years old, which is a lot later than most people think. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a class at Gunsight up in Prescott, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. I, like that's the first place I got to shoot a gun. Um, and I had a pistol class, so like the first time I ever shot a gun was like in a class uh, with this CHP dude named Ed Stock, uh, and I remember it was a. a uh, Colt Commander 1911 with like factory 230 grain 45. <laughs> Line up my sight, trigger press, weaver stance, whatever. And I smack dead center on the X of the silhouette target. <laughs> I was like, pretty good, Ed. What do you think, huh? And he's like, do it again. And the entire rest of the weekend, I never hit that X. <laughs> you know, and I was like, wow. Anyways, so I bought, I bought a 1911 when I got home. I um, bought an AR, uh, went to school. And we basically shot like, let's just say like 500 rounds a year at stumps in farm fields in Ohio. No targets, no timer. I think I bought a timer when I was in graduate school. Hold on. You have a master's degree. Did I not know that? Yeah. I have an MBA in marketing. I have a master's degree in marketing. That's really weird to think about. High five. 
right? Of course you do. We're like the best online. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh it wasn't until I got into cycling like bicycles pretty Mm -hmm. hard when I was in college. And when I moved to Tucson, I was like, I'm gonna become a professional shooter or a professional cyclist. I just don't know which one. Um, with like no experience shooting. And I literally, literally Googled like how to shoot competition. And then it pulled up a local match or a local club emailed the match director. I was like, Hey, no idea what I'm doing. Love to shoot it. Sounds cool. He's like, show up, whatever. I had a, uh, I, I, right before I moved to Arizona, I bought a Zev 34, uh, with like, uh, a gold barrel, an RMR, a comp. So this gun's like seven inches long. It's, it was terrible. Um, I thought it was really cool at the time though. And I shot IDPA with it and he's like, you can't shoot this. I'm like, it's the only gun I have. They were cool about it, but I literally finished like dead last on the leaderboards. And I, and I, I have a screenshot buried somewhere in my phone, but it was my very first IDPA match. It was uh, five, five or six stages. And I went a hundred points down. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you think about that, like you always have to try to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, I always shot fast. I just never hit. And everyone's like, you got to slow down and get your hits. Can I swear on this? Is this still yeah. a dog? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, fuck that. I'm like, I'm going to go, I'm going to keep going fast until like my brain catches up and I can hit the target. Sure. Um, and that's what I recommend for people now too, regardless of if people want to fight me on that or whatever. But um, I think <laughs> it's better to train your processing power rather than trying to slow down to what, what you can do. Yeah. But anyways, sure. caught the bug. Um, I decided USPSA was a lot more fun than IDPA after <laughs> shooting both. Uh, when I decided that USPSA was going to be my discipline, the match directors stepped down from our club. Really? So I, a brand new shooter, like three months into it, took over the match directing roles for USPSA (laughs) without even being a USPSA member. Um, yeah, I ended up making a GM in like 14 months What? and then, uh, started shooting like majors and stuff, uh, winning some of them, at least podium finishes at most. Um, and then it just like, just started going uphill from there Mm -hmm. and uh i basically shoot full-time or do marketing full-time in the industry yeah so okay going back to gm was that with iron sights doll like what division oh carry optics okay okay (laughs) it's it's really the only division i i shot um right when i started uspsa i bought like a 2011 and 40 and being like i'm gonna shoot limited (laughs) no reason why just spending money i was working in commercial real estate and uh that sucked. <laughs> so I was like, this is dumb. I'm like, I want, I want a polymer gun. I want a red dot. Mm-hmm. I want something that's like easy, reliable. I don't have to take care of that much. Uh, and so I settled on, <laughs> actually I settled on a Glock 34 and then I switched to a Smith and Wesson after I won a slide cut at an IDPA match. Nice. And cut a Smith and Wesson. And now I have like six or seven of these things. Just six or seven. I feel like there's a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. I'm actually might get another one tomorrow though on a <laughs> trade. Um, cool. these people on arms list just know my sweet, sweet spots. So like <laughs> whatever. But anyways, um yeah, uh I just I got a lot of enjoyment out of it. Um I mean frankly, I think it's just like cool, like just yeah. badass shooting guns, right? Mm-hmm. It's just oh, fun. Yeah. And uh I've introduced a lot of new people to competition shooting. Yep. Um, and that's like priceless when they like, you see, they have that like eureka moment where like, dang, yep. I understand why you do this all the time. And I'm like, yeah, dude, let's yeah. get it. 
Um, <laughs> There's nothing like it. And so stayed in carry optics pretty much the whole time. Uh, I'm dead set on at least getting top 10 at nationals before I switch division. Okay. I haven't had a single nationals where my gear has worked yet. Um, so root for that this year. Uh, like just, me. Got, just got in. Yeah. Last year I shot five stages at CO Nats with a loose optic. Oh, uh, like a quarter inch of movement up and down. That's fun. Completely, completely walked out. So I threw like four or five mics the first day. Oh, um, and I think I finished like 89%, like 24th last year at national. Oh. So like, I'll take it for a shit first day. The year before that, first year reloading, didn't know what I was doing, didn't ask for help, <laughs> just ignorant on this press that I bought used off another member of my club. Uh, didn't know about primer depth. Uh-huh. So I had like 22 light strikes on 11 stages Oof. out of like the, the 18 or whatever that was at Nats. And then the year before that, uh, I shot with a Smith & Wesson with a shot out barrel. So I was grouping like three inches at 12 yards. Hunter, why'd you do everything the hard way? <laughs> I don't know, but um, still still finished decently at each one of them, considering. And, like, a lot of top 10 stages when my shit worked. So, like, yeah. I could do it. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, okay, so when did the cycling just fall by the wayside? Like, were you trying to do both and figuring out what you were, like, better at? No, I literally was, like, night and day. As soon as I started shooting, I was, like, fuck biking. <laughs> I was, like, it's too fucking hot here. It is. I'm not dealing with the heat. Um, I live in Tucson, Arizona, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, it gets really hot here. It's, it was, uh, this weekend I had some classes and it was 118 degrees on the range. Pass. Are you from there? Yeah. No, I'm from Detroit. That's so weird. Detroit went to school in Ohio, moved to Tucson. Why Tucson? Um, job, commercial real estate. That's right. It seemed interesting. I was like, Ooh, I'm like, that's sexy. I can wear a suit and stuff. Um, and it was Honestly, I just, uh, it taught me a lot, but it was not, it was not for me. So let me ask you this too, going back to other than Vegas, when have you put on a suit ever again? Um, funerals. Yeah. Okay. That um, was sad. <laughs> that's sad, but it's true. Um, the reason I bring that up is I haven't worn like real pants in like four or five years since I started working for myself. Yeah. There's like, um, banquet dinner i had to go to i don't know it's very few and far between you know what i mean i can just like get away i get away with like dress shoes dress pants and a sweater and i'm like good to go for most occasions yeah for Um, sure no no iron ironing required (laughs) or ties it's just easy people listening to this are like what the hell okay um so moving on from that i want to know what happened first so because I know like you worked with a ton of brands and all of that um were you just active on social media and like posting a lot of your shooting Mm -hmm. Okay. Did you DM companies? They approach you. Did you meet people? Like how so, did all this spiral? I swore off social media all throughout college up until I started competition shooting. <laughs> um, I did an independent study during my undergrad, uh, looking at like the psychology of social media. And it's like, this really is, probably doesn't help us right now as content creators and like marketers, but like, it's so bad for the brain. Yep. It's just like gambling or smoking or drinking or anything. That's like an endorphin release. Uh, and or shooting competitively. <laughs> like Yeah, anything. It's just like, it's an addiction and uh, it will change like your brain chemistry over time. Yeah. Um, but then I realized I was noticing people getting more deals from having a social media following than actually winning. And I'm like, that's <laughs> bullshit. But it's true. It's true. And so I was like, I would, I'd much prefer to have like a large following, get podium finishes, like maybe not win 
number one all the time, but like just steady competitive sporty finishes, podium finishes. I think I've won four out of the six majors I've shot this year. Nice. Or five five out of seven. I don't know. Something like that. But majority of them. Um and like losses would be to like nails or something like that. I'm just like fun. Besides Alaska. But that was a whole other thing. (laughs) Um and I was like, you need to have both. You need to have social media following and you need to win. Um, and the NBA marketing helps too when I'm talking with brands. Uh, they just take us more seriously, probably. Um, I don't so know why. I, we're both children. I know. Um, <laughs> I think that's what people, why people go to marketing, though, right? Yeah. I don't um, really work for a living. So I, I literally treat it like a part time job where I was posting like three to five times a day. Yep. I was doing like the 10 by 10 strategy where it's like you follow 10 hashtags, you comment. 10 comments on 10 posts from that hashtag. And I set timers on my phone to do this throughout the day. <laughs> and I mean, it was like clockwork and I was probably spending like 20 to 30 hours a week on Instagram. Holy cow. Just like engaging. And I went from zero followers <clears throat> to 10 K in like nine months. Nice. And then IG found my page and censored me. Yep. And then it took like a year and a half to gain the next 12,000 followers. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, maybe more than that now our whole entire content is suppressed across the board. Videos are less viewed. Yeah. We're not showing yeah. feeds. Yeah. And so it was, it was hard, but, um, uh, once, once I started gaining some traction on some, I, I realized that if the content is good enough, it will break through that barrier. Yeah. And it's so fucking annoying because okay. sometimes you just, it, it, it is a lot of effort to produce the better content. Yeah. Um, or like I could post, a stage win at nationals or area two or some major match against hundreds of other shooters, skilled world-class shooters. People don't give a fuck. Yep. And then I literally just post like a no look machine gun mag dump into rocks and they're like, wow, this is great. This is the greatest. I know I've seen Uh, your videos. I know it would do well. It's the dumb shit that you do. (laughs) Yeah. And the, honestly, I really enjoy the dumb shit. (laughs) Right. It's easy. Um, but I think it is important to still back that skill up because oh, like a lot of people just do the dumb shit. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, what's your build drill time? <laughs> yeah. You know, or like whatever. And like, just challenge them to something because, uh, or like a uh, fire firepower unlimited post that meme where it's like what people think a competition gun looks like, what a competition gun actually looks yeah. like. And the top picture is like a Gucci out Glock. The bottom picture is a factory 34. <laughs> um, I got so many DMS of people arguing with me. Of like, that's not a competition gun. <laughs> and at first, I'll like entertain people and like give them a reasonable response. Then I'll enough come in where I just don't care anymore. <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, send me the last video you have in your camera roll of you shooting. They don't respond. <laughs> oh, some of them would send it. And I, I would literally just send that, um, that gif of the Kardashians going, you're trash. <laughs> <laughs> And then and then block them after they saw it. They'd have to see it and then block them. I love but that. Like, I don't really care. Theme. You know, I'm like, you're gonna people are gonna get the same people. Like my mom's gonna get the same hunter. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get the same hunter. People listening to this are gonna get the same hunter. Brands are gonna get the same. I hunter. love it. Everybody gets the same hunter across the board, <laughs> and I don't censor myself for anybody. It's a lot easier to live life that way. Hundred percent. Oh my god, cracks me. Up. What? Okay, what are their DMs like? What's the weirdest DM that you've ever gotten? Now I have to know. Um. Honestly, uh, I mean, the, the running joke, too, is, like, you shoot fast enough, like, and there's the hashtag splits gets chicks, right? But it's really just 
a bunch of dudes asking what components you're running on your gun, you know? So it's just like, uh, I, I, I used to track everything on Excel, yeah. like how many DMS I'd answer a day, how my engagement was doing on posts, how many posts I would like outbound reach to everything yep. and like track it all. Um, cause I was a nerd, right? Yep. I've done and, that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it, like, I'll, I'll get like anywhere from like 40 to 60 DMS on average a day, sometimes more, sometimes less. <laughs> um, the weirdest ones are people who there's some guys I've never responded to and they just send me reels every day, all day long. And it's usually like super hard, like two way stuff or like conspiracy series stuff. <laughs> like, dude, you have to watch this. And I'm just like, do you watch them? Do you secretly watch no, them? No, and you know I probably should block them, but like I just let them. I don't know. Maybe it's entertaining for them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I had to ask you about that. Yeah, or like I like the bots where it's like a sugar mama. <laughs> Sometimes I post my responses with it, um, and that's always pretty fun, especially because it's probably some scammer on the other end. Or like promoted. Going on. You get the comments They're promoted like, on blah blah blah. Yeah, like no photos required. Like. Um, I just want companionship and I just respond like the moon isn't real. <laughs> and they'd be like, do you have PayPal? <laughs> and, uh, it always makes me laugh. Like thinking if I had that conversation in real life, like I'm talking face to face with somebody and they're like, no pictures. Like it's fine. Like nothing sexual, just platonic. And I'm like, the moon isn't real. And they're like, do you have, pay- do you have PayPal? Um, those those come in a lot. And then, uh, yeah, not too many weird ones. Just a lot of questions about uh, gun parts, gun advice, drills, yeah, how to get into competition shooting, things like that. Yeah, and um, and I will answer every single one of them. That's awesome. Uh, just because like I one of those questions answered when I was a new shooter coming up, and if I've amassed that knowledge now, I think it's uh, yeah, part of your duty into the community to share that. So I've started screenshotting the creepy ones and sending them to my friends every single time it happens. So oh, nice. I've kept a folder of that. But like, yeah, I'll answer them as long as it's not bullshit or really creepy. Um, yeah, especially the dudes sure. are like, do you live here? Where do you live? I'm like, why would I answer that? Yeah, it's uh, quite a way to cold start a conversation. Mm-hmm. Or stalker situation. Okay, so we still didn't answer the question. What came oh. first with your social media? Like, did you reach out to a company? Did the company approach you? Oh. Like, where did... Yeah, the trajectory um, started. I think I was pretty aggressive at first with reaching out to companies. <laughs> I can see that. Um, <laughs> and just to like see, and it was like, it was kind of crazy too, because this is like before I even hit GM, it was in like that 14 month span. And I was like, hey, I'm taking shooting really seriously. I'm going to be a professional shooter. <laughs> I really care about this. And a lot of companies were like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, because everybody talks a lot and nobody really backs up with actions. Yeah. Um, and there was a handful of companies that were like, you know what, we'll take a shot. We like you. Let's try it out. Um, Who was the first? And, um, I think Gerber Holsters. Okay. And he's like, dude, he's, ooh, wait, he's got to be 27 or 28 now. He's right around my age and uh, lives in Colorado. Just single dude making holsters out of his property um when i met him he was only making a couple holsters now he has like a backlog of like a few hundred awesome um and he he makes my signature holster now the constantine competition pro holster um and i still named yeah and i've had i've had a holster too for a little while 
Um, and that's the number one holster I recommend for people. I, obviously, just because it's like what I use, like if they want a competition holster. There's a lot of great other, there's a lot of great options out there. Um, but made that through like trial and error. But like, he's like, hey, dude, I'm making a holster company. I'm like, hey, dude, I'm getting into competition shooting. <laughs> and uh, I was like, listen, if you take care of me, uh, I'll just, I'll run your holsters like forever, basically. And it's just one of those things where like, he was hungry getting started. I was hungry getting started. And I still run his competition holsters to this day. That's awesome. Does it have um, your name on it? No, no that's, branding or anything like that. <laughs> it's okay. I'd rather just stay like incognito like that. Yeah. Um, I think he was probably the first and that was kind of cool because he's like, yeah, I'm down. And I think I bought a holster from him at first. Then he sold me a couple at cost. And then he like started hooking me up with like a couple free ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started referring people to him and stuff like that. And then, um, but it was interesting to see when it was like a larger company mm-hmm. and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to do this thing. And they're like, yeah, we don't know. We're like, we'll give you like industry pricing right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, like if it works out cool and then it'd be like a year later and they're like, wow, you got like really good. And I'm like, I told you, <laughs> like I'm not bullshitting. I'm like, this yeah, is real. It's happening. They hear that a lot from so many people, though, right? Like, so how many, many people, people have you seen come and go or not do it? Yeah. I'm never going to yeah. be there. I'm not going to, I'm going to tell you that now. Like, <laughs> I know oh, that. I'm, I'm shooting guns for life. Okay? Oh, I'm shooting guns for life. I'm never going to be at the top, is what I'm saying. But like, I like to shoot every single division, every single sport. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be in the industry forever. Yeah. For Honestly, what looks pretty cool is that horseback cowboy stuff with the black powder blanks. I was like, hmm. <laughs> But Hunter is not buying a horse anytime soon. So we'll wait on that. But um, so that was, that was kind of hard. It wasn't until let's just like use rough terms here, but like, let's just say once I hit 10 K and I started, started to finish placing, let's just say top 5% at majors for my division. Mm-hmm. And then companies started being like, okay, so like he's a shooter. And then um, helped out as a match director too. So like I'd host a charity match every year. Um, at our club which is cool we donated to like a uh um a less fortunate children's home something like that and it was like five dollars no shoot if you hit it and stuff like that uh, <laughs> and i have all these like quirky rules uh, like we had one guy just like mag dump into a no shoot like dude you just like make a donation if you want not tank your match score but oh God. <laughs> um, i just want to make a statement and uh i the biggest thing too is just trying to figure out what that company's marketing goals were uh to help them with it because frankly there's a lot of shooters out there and if like you want something this that or the other uh, there's a lot of people that can fulfill that same need of like oh i can produce x y and z content for you a lot of other people can but like yeah. gotta identify what's going to differentiate you from others in that sense what was that thing for you what did you pitch people to <laughs> i am <MBA. laughs> No, but it was, uh, it was that I was, uh, I wasn't just strictly staying in that competition shooting lane. Mm -hmm. Like I, I love collecting guns. So I've got a a pretty solid collection of unique things, um, doing other things that like aren't competition related, like maybe like EDC stuff or like random long range stuff or just things that tackle a lot of the demographics on social media where it's just more entertainment sake rather than, uh, Instagram sake. Yeah. And, uh, no. I'll have some more long form content coming out 
it will probably be out by the time this podcast is out too. So shout out to trigger press on YouTube. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> um, yeah. So one thing I did and not a lot of shooters do it, I guess I created an actual like shooting resume. Like, do you, did you do mm-hmm. that? Oh yeah, I did do that. Do you, do you still that. do that or no? <laughs> uh, yeah, I do something similar. It's definitely a lot more in depth and a lot more visual. Yep. Visually pleasing. Yeah. Mine's very colorful. I've said it to you, but I even, uh, I put my little three on Kenzie patch on there, but no, I mean, I think that's valuable because you, you and I probably both like we go over, all over the country, but then at the end of the year, we like put it together of like where all we were, how many classes we taught. And we're like, Oh, like there's a bigger picture that all that process stuff we don't think about. Cause it, we just mm-hmm. do it. And then it adds up to this total sum. Where you're like, yeah. Charts are great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like in 20 or no, maybe it was 2019 or no, 2020. I don't know. One of those, one of those, no, it had to be 2019. I think I shot 156 local matches. Ew. (laughs) That's a lot. Isn't that crazy? That's two per weekend-ish. Well, yeah, in Phoenix, you can shoot six days a week if you want. Oh, that's right. Okay, that's the hot bag, because it's during the week, night shoots, all that stuff, right? All of it. Any any local match, any and every local match, uh, and that helped a lot, but (laughs) one, like, but that's still around people having that conversation. So people are like seeing you run that stuff, run the gear, yep. have the gear, whatever. Um, that's a lot of interactions. Even if it's like, let's just say 40 people a match. Sure. Or 50 people a match, 20 people a match, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of individuals that you're touching that people are getting FaceTime with the products of that please company. Don't, please don't touch them, but yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> what if they touch me? And it's fair. It's fair, game. fair game. Yeah. Okay. No. So um, meet, they'll meet Martha and Stuart here. <laughs> and for those of you just listening, that's my left and right fist. Like, glad you clarified that. Um, no, so like, what do you think? Yeah, we know a lot of people listening right now, right, are like dreaming of sponsors or dreaming of being in the industry or whatever that looks like, but they don't see the mm-hmm. work. So like, if you could give just one little recap on everything that you've done or that you see that shooters should do to get those things, what does that look like? Um, (laughs) my, my first thought was I identified two things I needed to win and I needed to have a large presence on social media. So I identified two larger goals, um, and I dedicated all my free time and disposable income to reaching those goals. And that was it, which Mm -hmm. is crazy and might not be realistic for a lot of people, Yeah, but that's literally what I did. That was my entire life for that, that like year, basically. Up until I got GM. Um, but I would, like, my daily routine is, like, I'd wake up an hour before work just to dry fire. Uh-huh. Yep. And then go to work, go work out, eat dinner, dry fire. Saturday, how it worked locally, I'd shoot IDPA, stay after, and I'd set up USPSA. And it was just me and one other buddy, my buddy Cody. Oh. And we'd set up the entire USPSA match for okay. Sunday. Then shoot all day Sunday, then tear it down. And then restart the week. <laughs> oh, and then the, the off weekends, I'd drive up to Phoenix and shoot matches up there. And um, like, that was it. That's all I cared about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was And then the free time in between there was dealt with social media, building that following um, and working on engagement. And really that outbound engagement as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and... I mean, it was like, I didn't do anything else. I didn't have a social life. I didn't do anything. My social life was the range. And like, that was it. Yeah. Or colleagues at work and stuff like that. Um, 
but like no partying, no bars, nothing. It was just shooting. That's it. And it was just like laser focused discipline. Yep. Um, and then I took like, uh, I decided I was done with commercial real estate. I was going to go back into marketing consulting and I got like my first kind of like sponsor slash like job because a lot of it gets um, very muddy where like I end up doing work for the company, <laughs> even though they're sponsoring me as well. Yep. Um, and I'm yep. fine with that too. Um, yeah. I'd actually prefer that because I get to learn more about the company and like 100%. really support the brand or figure out if that brand's not a good fit for me. Yeah. And, uh, but I was like, before that, like I got, I got my bonus check, whatever from that year. And I was like, I'm just going to take like three months off and give myself like a summer break because like, when am I going to be able to do that? Yep. And I remember it was when federal was doing rebates on their ammo and nine was like 12.9 cents around for factory. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. And it was like unlimited. I'm like, I'm shipping it to my aunt and uncle's house. I'm shipping it to friends who don't shoot. I'm shipping it. Uh, I managed like a, a half a million square feet of retail office. And I remember shipping ammo to these buildings. Okay. <laughs> Because they needed different addresses for the rebates. And I bought 28,000 rounds. And then (laughs) I'm like, perfect. This is enough ammo to get me through the whole season. Mm -hmm. But now Hunter doesn't have to go to work for three months. And all I did, I would go to the range and I would live fire, go to the gym. And then uh, I'd go to like yoga and just like meditate, whatever. And like, again, laser focused (laughs) still. But now three months and it was only shooting. I didn't even have to worry about work. Yeah. Um, and I shot all 28,000 rounds in three months. Holy cow. And I went from a like high B class, low A class to 100% GM. Wow. That's and like, for those of you uh, who know the USPSA scoreboards on the website, it's got like the top <laughs> 10 or 20 people for each ten. classification division. Yeah. I think it's 10. Yeah. Anyways, there's like a hot minute. I was up there at like 100%. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, I made it. And then I realized it means nothing. Um, <laughs> not true. That's an accomplishment at that time, for sure. It is. And, like, honestly, it was cool to, like, send my mom. and be like, Mom, look at this. I'm like. <laughs> not BS. I made on it. On paper. Because, like, she, she didn't really understand at first. You yeah. know, and then, like, I'm like, on paper, this is cool. And she's like, oh, congrats. I'm proud of you. You know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, again, all it is is, like, setting the goals, having laser focus on what you want to accomplish. Um, and then sacrifice, and I, think that, I mean, like, you are sacrificing time, money, yeah, and energy. Because um, I didn't realize that you did, like, the same thing I did. It was, like, two years of this is what I'm going to do. So I was ROing, and I was going to matches, and I was spending, like you said, every single penny on whatever it took to get to the matches. And that's why I would vol- volunteer, because I could pay for ammo. Yeah. But, like, the match fees are, like, $300. Um, yeah. No social life, no dating life, no, <laughs> none of that. Okay. But two years after that, now it's, like, completely dream world, right? Mm-hmm. I sometimes I wish I had that discipline and laser focus, but I have so many responsibilities now. Yeah. I'm like, oh, working for myself, I'm gonna have all this free time. And yeah. I'm sure, as you know, it's the yeah. exact opposite where I'm like, I could pull up all the tabs I had open on my computer and probably work <laughs> till midnight tonight and still have more stuff to do, you know? Yeah. Are you a, I have to ask this, are you a morning productive person? Or are you an evening like productive entrepreneur? I'm just productive when I'm productive. There's no, time limit like uh i'm not a morning person at all so like i cannot function yeah. Anything. yeah i don't know there's times where like there's definitely there's no there's no rhyme or reason when it's gonna happen for sure okay because like there's some mornings where i'm just like boom and i'm like wow i'm like you just knocked that out like all you had to do today in like 
three hours and you're like dang what am i gonna do the rest of the day there's other times where i'm like i don't i don't even want to touch my computer until like eight o'clock at night yep and they're like but i have a deadline Uh, and i really need to do that so i'm gonna have to now yeah yeah and so it's um there's definitely some juggling when it comes to managing that stuff but yeah uh, we get it done for sure 100 percent uh yeah don't you work with a handful of companies now too doing official work right yeah, I mean, so I'm writing like pretty much full time for USPSA, and then I got the the deal with Apple and Outdoors to write with their publications, which wasn't really cool. Like, I I changed, I want to say change, but like I do marketing, but changing over into writing was something that I didn't plan for. It just kind of happened. So, Did like, you write I, beforehand? Not really. The only writing I had done was in grad school. I was doing, um, like, I'm published in like the ebook learning space. It's really nerdy, and I presented a paper at a conference, and that was about it. But I nice. always loved to read. Like I read every day, like a nerd. Um, yeah. So writing was just. I used of- to read. I don't anymore. I've been meaning to. I can't get through books though. Terminal list. I mean, you could read that any day of the week. Come on. No, no, but like I'll start. I saw a book your again. post. I saw your post. If you pull that, <laughs> that book out and you don't actually read it, I'm gonna call you out. <laughs> um, no, no, no. My toxic trait is that I will read halfway through a book and be like, meh, and just no, not want to finish it. I also don't read. Um, like I read, I don't know. It's always like um, things to help, like mental. Um, um, I can't even think about it right now. I can't, can't even think of the word. Then you probably need to read more. No. I mean, honestly, though, your brain's just like any other muscle, right? And yeah. there's been times where I have uh, missed vocabulary, and I was like, "Fuck, I gotta go reading again." Because during that super disciplined time as well, I also blocked out a chunk of time for reading every single day. Yep. Yep. And I'd bust out books, even if it was super boring and I'd fall asleep. Too bad. Yep. That's why I fell asleep reading it. Do you study entrepreneurs though, and like the successful entrepreneurs that do that, like whenever they? Yeah, do. and yeah. Um, really like uh, biographies, yep. um, history. Um, we are really. Weird. But I don't know. I can. I have like I have three books sitting on like my couch out there, <laughs> where I'm like halfway through each one of them and I haven't finished. That's disgusting. That gives me anxiety. Like, yeah, I can't not finish a book. And the worst um, part is I just don't care. See that I would that would keep me up. At I'm night. just like I'm like I'm not interested in doing this. I'm like I have emails I need to write right now, and I've got like newsletter copies I need to write and whatever. Yeah, you know, I yeah. was like I don't have time for reading this fucking book. Okay, <laughs> okay, I got so much time in the day. So I actually still don't know <laughs> what does Hunter do for payment for job <laughs> supports your life like what do you do well see there's this website that got really popular over the last couple of years oh man <laughs> no fiverr i'm just kidding fans, yeah <laughs> no no um a lot of it is marketing work um and um uh, with some of your favorite brands in the industry so when you see like punny emails i might i might i might be behind it um but i signed NDA, so i can't talk about which companies they are um <laughs> firearms instructions i usually teach like once a month sometimes twice a month um do a lot of private instruction this past year which has been cool really like working individually with people yeah um just because like tracking that progress and watching them become a better shooter um and like when they reach the point where they can like self-diagnose what they're doing wrong is super cool yeah um i like just whole bunch of other random stuff as well that just comes with some of the clients I work with where they're like, Hey, like, do you know this or can you do this or whatever? And, 
you know, you always got to keep an open mind to other opportunities because like you never know where it's going to lead or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Okay. So let's talk about like the life of influencing and ambassadorship online though, too. Like, so you get products or whatever you review products or you're, you're posting content or creating content. Like, what does that look like behind the scenes? I think a lot of people don't realize like the editing that goes involved, like that's involved who films it. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. Um, it's like whatever you see posted, there's probably like five to a hundred times more effort behind the scenes to make that happen. Um, we've done me and my business partner, Chase in the Overland space. Uh, we started doing, um, media production for different off-road companies and things like that. And like, so we went out and shot our trucks yesterday. Uh, and we probably spent an hour and a half taking pictures and then we came back home and I was like, all right, dude, like we're going to knock it out. Uh, we had a couple things we needed to finish up and then I'm like, I'll be out of there by like 11 PM and sure shit. It's like midnight by the time I leave. Um, we didn't get nearly everything we wanted to get done because it took like four hours to edit the pictures and figure out how we wanted to make like them look right. Yep. And so, and that was just for the pictures. We didn't even apply the pictures to anything yet. That was just post-production to get them looking how we want them to look. Yep. Um, it's the same for like Instagram reels or I've had companies reach out and they send me like a reel and we're like, Hey, we want you to make a reel like this for our brand. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, cause a lot of it, uh, some stuff I storyboard and things like that, but a lot of it's just like from the hip. It's just yeah. like organic yep. where I'm just like, things just kind of fall into place. I have the storyboard in my head from the clips that we took of like, Oh, these will kind of fit. Um, figure out like what's a trending audio, what's like the vibe it's going to fit for that video um, and what clips are going to go where for it. Mm-hmm. And for like my personal shooting IG, a lot of it is just on my phone and I do most editing and post-production on my phone because it's easy and I can like knock it out and forget about it. Um, but starting to get where you're using nicer cameras and Premiere Pro yep. and there's a lot more effort that goes into it. Um, for me that, I mean, obviously for anybody, it's a lot more effort, but, uh, that's still somewhat of a learning process for me is understanding all intricacies of Premiere Pro. It's like Photoshop for video. So there's like yeah. a million things that like, I still don't know about it that I I'm still learning. I'm like, this looks good. And then they're like, they're like, Oh, well you could do like this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, Oh, and then I'm sitting there learning about it to do it. Um, or like chase. He's, he's like a GM when it comes to videography and post-production, you know? So he's just like clicking away, already knows the stuff. That's nice. Um, it's nice to have that. And I think where content's going is more towards the very high quality edited, produced content, Yeah. Uh, which could be detrimental for like the average user on social media, because now you're looking at getting professional camera gear, professional um, editing afterwards. and yeah. The crazy part is like, it's just the average person's skill is just increasing. So where I see it is like, you're going to have to have, um, just better production quality period. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing too, like I struggle with, uh, is getting like my own content. So like how many people are taking photos of you or taking videos of you are using a tripod? Like it's a lot of legwork to do by yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Um, matches are filmed by other people, obviously. And I can just ask somebody to hold the phone um tripods or even like 
people get anxiety when they come to the range with me because I'll literally just duct tape my phone to the target and shoot towards my phone. And they're like, aren't you afraid you're going to hit it? I'm like, no, it just shoot better, you know? And, uh, or like even just like on a barrel. Yeah. Uh, you duct tape your like phone. <laughs> you just make it work, you know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. whatever, whatever you got to do. Um, <laughs> I did get some like new cameras. Like I got like the Osmo two little gimbal. I've got like a POV, the op, op kicks camera. I got a GoPro some other things um and so i've started like splice some other um types of videography in but a lot of the times it's just me um Mm -hmm. or uh it just kind of depends on what type of content is because like if we're if i'm with the dylan boys and we're mag dumping machine guns there's somebody there to film it there's a ton yeah um if i'm at the range practicing it's probably going to be solo (laughs) match someone else is filming it um so it just it just kind of depends on on what's going on, but it is was a struggle. A lot of tripod work though. You can get one off Amazon for like 30, 40 bucks, and it will be fine. Yeah, it's not gonna be great, but it will work. And you don't really need you don't need some crazy tripod for that. So um, that's probably the easiest thing. But I started video recording myself shooting just so I could have record of it and I could review it. Um, and then I started kind of having the content in mind of like, mm, this would be cool. Or I don't know. People just like want to build drills or like fast shots on steel or like a racking or <laughs> something like that. So stuff that competitive shooters are like, really? Like we know what that looks like. It's five yards. Yeah. Like. Or like I post that video at the Terran range. It's like D zone steel. <laughs> and I'm like, I did, I did split a gun with a 12 split for the first time in that video, which was pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Awesome. on the smith and wesson's the fastest i've gotten is like 14s okay um some friends have gotten like 13s um but anyways i like super fast shooting super fast transitions but it's like d-zone steel so like <laughs> to me and all my competitive shooting friends like yeah so but then a lot of people online are like damn that is fast and i mean yeah. frankly it is fast and the transitions were there and there was some knockdowns and stuff and it does require a high level of skill to do it but like would I shoot like that in a match? Probably not. <laughs> Maybe. Just, I, I don't know. I haven't shot open yet, right? Open <laughs> is supposed to go fast. So <clears throat> Maybe. Awesome. Um, cool, cool. I was wondering about all of that stuff too. Like the What do you what do you do for your filming? So I mean I have a couple GoPros and I have a tripod. It's it's kind of funny. I'll say thank you, Rob. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Crystal. Shout out to you guys. So like, every time uh, I go the, every time I go to the range, I feel bad. And like, hey guys, I have a laundry list of bullshit. And so like some of it's really hard because it's like, can you get the clay exploding behind me with the shotgun? And I'm like, I can't time that, right? Um yeah. but there is stuff like even with the range, I feel bad. Like I go to the range, I'm like, I have 12 things to do, just so you know. Like if you want to go with me, and there's like a list before I'm allowed to shoot, which is kind of funny and not funny. So just depends. <laughs> yeah. But that you gotta you gotta hit those marks, you know, if you're producing that type of content. So Yeah. Um, it'll be great when, when I have a significant other that is going to be a full-time photographer, <laughs> videographer. Yeah. They don't know it yet. <laughs> Honestly, I like, I'm like, that could just be a drone, you know? I can't wait for those days. Yeah. <laughs> and just, um, just have that hovering, but it yeah. does help having some friends and stuff. Most of the time though, I will go shoot in the morning here because it's so hot. Yeah. And like all my friends I shoot with have normal jobs. five jobs. So like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like how am i supposed to um uh-huh. practice i got i got one buddy who just retired from the air force so we've been going out shooting and stuff like that but awesome. um 
most of it's few and far between for that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's dive into the world of overlanding and overcompensation okay. with your vehicle. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so like first of all, backing up to like you, you got your stock truck. Like, did you start working with the company that you're working with now and some of those guys to start building it? Okay, so you built it first. Nope. Uh, no, it just, I honestly, I kept the truck. I put a bumper on it and like a leveling kit. Uh, like you for like did two years almost. I didn't do it at that time. That's um, okay. <laughs> and then uh, I was going to make it into like a pre runner, like a fast truck. Yeah. Uh, but my friend Chase started showing me overlanding stuff and I started exploring it like through Fieldcraft. And then I like, it's pretty cool. It, like takes you to a lot of cool places and you get to like experience some like the most remote parts of the country. Um, and it's like breathtaking. Yeah. And then last year I started camping at matches, dry camping. And I, I'm like, and I, number one pet peeve at major matches is I just don't get sleep because I stay up late. So like I never shoot a major match fully rested. <laughs> and so I'm up to like midnight or one and I'm like, Oh cool. I'm like I can camp at the match to cut out an hour of my morning of getting up, getting dressed, driving to the range, getting all my shit together. I'm like, Hey, guess what? You just get to wake up and it's here. It reminds me of, uh, um, was it scary movie, you know, where the guys got the trailer right on campus, you know, it's like wakes up, goes to class. Same deal for the major matches. Okay. Um, and then just started progressing where, uh, Chase and I, we created two track nation, which is like our overlanding brand. Uh, and we started doing more planned trips, uh, aligning ourselves with, um, some industry leaders in the overland space. And we kind of had this idea of like, let's build matching trucks and make them super capable for anything we want to do. And Are you sure you don't have a boyfriend? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, you can ask his girlfriend, but she's probably pretty mad because I probably get more attention than More her. time from him, yeah. <laughs> Taylor, I'm sorry if you're listening to this. And Chase, I'm sure you're laughing. Anyways, um, but I wanted to, like, he loves rock crawling in his truck and beats the shit out of it and like smashes it everywhere. I don't really want to do that in my truck. We both have luxury vehicles. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to build a truck to be my main hub for major matches. Yeah. So um, I put this massive camper on the back of it. Do you have one vehicle? I got to ask you that. Like only. Just one. Me too. So uh, No, I... actually, I have, a, I have a motorcycle as well. Okay. Well, I didn't buy a motorcycle. Um, I bought a 2011. So I apologize to those, those um, riders out there. Yeah. But yeah. um got my license but i was gonna ask you that because like i would love to beat up my truck like truly and like people would go do this shit i was like i have to drive that the next day <laughs> i have to go play. yeah this is my daily so this is okay. what leads into like we did all the suspension work on it okay. um when we started the only thing i haven't installed so far is the camper itself um just because i used a company called tiny rig out of california that does like a an airtight dust tight seal on the back of it so no dust gets in the back of it and uh other than that, like we do all the work. So like if something's not sounding right, like you better know how to fix it. <laughs> so I carry, I carry like impact gun in my truck. I carry spare parts, wrenches, things like that. Anything you need to fix your truck. Chase carries like axles and tire rods Jesus. and everything. And like, I probably should eventually carry that stuff, but not worried about it just yet. Yeah. So, okay. If someone's actually trying to outfit their vehicle, like what's the, like I would say the necessities that they should start with. And then what's some like the good um, stuff. I would say, let's say they got an SUV. 
just to make it, let's say I got a forerunner. Okay. Okay. I'll take a pretty common. Yeah. All right. Um, you can like fold the seats down and like put a mattress back there or something like a foam pad or an air mattress, whatever your flavor is, um, depending on space. Uh, if you're going on trails, armor is like super important. <laughs> so like rock slider, skid plates, plates yeah. <clears throat> that way, if you find yourself in some treacherous stuff, you can just get dragged out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd probably say armor, suspension, winch. Okay. Um, if you're doing like serious, serious wheeling, if you're not doing that serious, like no winch, like I don't have a winch on my truck, but that's cause I bought my bumper before I was doing this. So eventually I'll need to get a new bumper with a winch, mm-hmm. um, just money. I'm just like, I don't want to spend that type of money on it right now. It's just you money. Know? Just money. <laughs> Some of that stuff. Um, no, and then just like figure out what your creature comforts are, like what's important to you. Right. So like. Where are you camping is a good thing. Like we camped in Northern Arizona uh, in January and it was like in the negatives, you know, single digit negatives. Um, and it got super cold. So like uh, Chase built a diesel heater that we made like a Y split for. So like we could pump heat in the back of my truck. Nice. Uh, and I was just camping with like a, a topper shell on the back of it, like a standard grandpa, grandpa truck, you know, Um and uh but now i have like a big pop-up tent on the top of my truck that has is a pasture and stuff super comfortable nice um that's what I'm but it just comes with time too i think it's important to get experience before you just go out and buy stuff same applies for shooting as well where it's like mm-hmm. go to the match and just shoot with what you have yeah yep. shoot with your zeb 34 with a comp okay in open variety <laughs> pa <laughs> um and then like figure out what you need and like uh, cause I went through a lot of stuff where I like bought parts and guns or truck parts where I'm like, I need this, and you don't. this, <laughs> this is what's going to make me a better shooter. And it's just not the case. Um, and like, I'll be, I'll be plenty of 2011s with this Smith and Wesson. You know what I mean? I'm like, doesn't matter. This gun before COVID and stuff, this was 350 bucks on yeah. sale on websites, you know? <laughs> Um, and it feels great having like a, ch- a cheaper, I mean, it's got SRO on it now and stuff. And an Apex SRO is, is more than the pistol. Yeah. Tell me what you've done to it. Um, not much. So we have an optic cut for the SRO. We have, uh, the Apex match grade barrel, Apex flat face enhanced kit, um, a tungsten guide rod and a magazine release. Simple. That's it. Oh, and then uh, silicone carbide grip. Did you change any of the springs, weights, or anything? Um, everything except for the recoil guide rod. This is a 15-pound. It's weird, but I like 15-pound springs with like 10,000 rounds through them. So it's probably like a 13. <laughs> um, but I just like the softer recoil impulse. I shoot 147s. Yeah. Um, but I think I would argue that this is probably the best striker fire trigger you could ask for. Um, on a pol- or best striker fire trigger period where it's like just very minimal it's like millimeters um yeah. and this is like just under three pounds for the trigger pull with all factory springs awesome okay yeah i've yeah. seen hunter's name at the top <laughs> with this What's gun that? i said i've seen oh, yeah. hunter's name at the top with this gun there's a lot though like that i mean nils with canic u.s smith and weston i mean a lot of people with sigs like plastic guns it doesn't matter uh, the, the biggest thing is just consistency of using the same gun yeah 
Thank you, Steve. That being said, I am. I'm going to be switching to something else for a little while. Can you say what that is? <laughs> They're going to be Glock 34 Combat Masters. From nice. <laughs> Um, and simply because uh, Nikki Jensen is uh, someone who I've helped train, and I was shooting her combat master, and I was like, "Damn, this thing is fucking dialed." Yep. I like this thing; it's shooting good. Um, and I just want, I just want some change. I've been shooting these for this is my fourth season shooting them. Yeah, yeah, I get bored. That's why I shoot so many different things because it's fun. <laughs> Toys, yeah. shiny toys. And eventually, <laughs> eventually, you open guys better watch out because I'll be joining the open crew. But yeah. got some time on that. Oh, nice, nice. Um, actually, okay. So Arizona, Utah, everything out there. Like, there's just such a hotbed for shooting. Have you shot the PCSL league matches yet? It's the best match. Yeah, I want you to talk about that. It People is. Don't know. So PCSL's practical competition shooting league. It was started by Max Leigh-Grandis. Um, national PCC champion and it is the most fun I've had in the shooting sports <laughs> period. Okay. Walk um, me it's, it's multi-gun, it's two gun hit factor scoring. Okay. On K zone so, targets. K zone. K zone targets. Yeah. So it's like a classic, um, and it, uh, Ipsic combined. So it's like, anyways, it's one one kilo or two alphas equals max points. Then there's Charlie and Delta. But the biggest thing that I don't like about three gun is that it's two anywhere. <laughs> yeah. What like I I just feel like you're not really honing in your skills. But so it's it's hit factor. So your hits matter, and like you get a paper out to like 50 yards. Mm -hmm. You gotta know what your holdover is. But they welcome all shooters. They welcome new shooters. They welcome tactical shooters. They welcome law enforcement. And they made it super simple for people. There's just two divisions. It's practical and competition. Competition is like open. Anything goes. Practical. Um, you can have um, single action only slide mounted optic pistols like 2011s. Yep. Or I think even comp ones too. So like uh, my Nighthawk Sandhawk or like the Eberus okay. and stuff. That also is considered practical. Okay. Because um, some people carry them. It's yeah. just like not frame mounted and you're limited to, I think, 100, 140 millimeter mags, like carry optic mags. Should be um, yeah. And then on the rifle, it's um, flash hiders. I think a surefire war comp is the most aggressive you can have on it. Full mass BCGs, 30 round mags. Nice. You yeah. have two optic on it. You could yeah. have... Like I shot my like tactical guns with like IR lasers on it, uh, offset red dot, the whole deal. Um, and it's fun and they welcome it. And then they also, um, they have night, they have a night match too on the carbine championship. So, uh, you can shoot white light or nods. I shot night vision, which is pretty cool. Never <laughs> shot a rifle hit factor match under night vision, which was awesome. Um, but the, one of the most unique things is the range that it's at right now is the Cobalt Kinetics range. Yep. So half the stages are flat bays, half the stages are terrain courses. So you're like running through tried out riverbeds, you're shooting into cliff faces and stuff like that. Um, and it makes for a very unique um, experience shooting yep. that's exciting because it's not just your standard match where you're on a flat range. There's only so much you can do. They also brought a lot of vehicles out. There's multiple stages with vehicles. Nice. Um, I took some stuff from like three gun where you're like crawling through 
drainage tunnels and things like that. Um, there's clays you get to shoot with your rifle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just very unique in how the stages are designed and the dynamic that comes with a hit factor two gun match. Yeah. Um, the safety rules are a lot more lax than USPSA and IDPA. Big boy rule. Um, basically, you'll get DQ'd for egregious safety violations, which I t- totally agree with, which is um, breaking the 180, accidental discharge, point your gun at somebody, <laughs> that type of stuff, right? Yeah. But, like, uh, I remember I got yelled at at, I don't know if it was an area match or what, but I was on deck with my PCC and I looked through my optic looking up, pointed directly at the sky with it shouldered just see what my brightness level was on. And he was going to DQ me, but it was my first major match shooting a PCC. And I, and I just bought the PCC like three weeks prior. Yeah. So I'm, I'm fresh. And I explained to him, he's like, well, that's just, you can't do that. And I was like, my bad. I'm like, my barrel flags in. I'm pointing to the sky. My fingers off the trigger. The gun's unloaded. I just want to look at my optic. My bad. Yeah. I think that's one um, of the dumbest rules in there where it says if you touch your optic and adjust it at all, that's DQ outside of the supervision of an RO. And I'm like, well, WTF, WTF. Yeah. I mean, Stick honestly, even if I, even if you're at like a, yeah, just something I don't agree with. Yeah. And then, so like PCSL, you can just grab side berm. <laughs> And if you're safe, you can do it. And then yep. if you break the 180, then it's a DQ because you just point a gun at people. But like, yeah. Um, yeah, another cool element is they encourage coaching for new shooters. That's fun. So, so like, uh, I remember on one of the squads that I shot with, I think I've shot three PCSL matches now or four. Um, new shooters blew by a whole position of targets. <laughs> and we're like, we're like, get back. You forgot those targets. Like the whole squad is yelling at him, right? <laughs> Oh, I did the exact same thing. <laughs> Nobody can yell at Hunter. <laughs> and so it's just like, if they're an experienced shooter, you don't encourage coaching. And I just got the, if you're done. And I was like, why they say it like that? I was like, fuck. And then I ran back and shot those targets. But like, if you're competing for first place, right? Or a podium yeah. finish, like, yeah. yeah, that like five second delay is going to hurt your You're time, done, so. yeah. <laughs> um, so it's a lot of fun. They call hits for steel. Uh, well, and it's it's harder complexity, like with rock walls or whatever. Like if you're missing and you're stirring up dust and stuff. Like, so I wanted to go to the match that he canceled in May, and I was planning to RO that for sure. But mm. hopefully, I can either do that or the hard as hell because I like what he's doing, and I like true two gun. Like I, it's cool to shoot PC pistol, but like I have rifles that are not used. And yeah, oh, real that's gun. another thing is that you can swap guns at any point without grabbing RO. Yeah. So like uh, a lot of the rifle guys would swap pcc for the short stages yeah the 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 flat ranges and then to a 223 rifle for yeah, the long that's ones cool. that's ammo um, and then they also allow braces they also allow suppressors nice um so you can shoot your shorties and things like that yeah <coughs> i really appreciate that it's just like it's a shooter's match it's literally for shooters yeah not just competitive shooters but just shooters in general well i hope and, he, uh, he has like more like affiliates or clubs across the country because it is hard. Yeah, to- I think there was one run in California in April. Okay. Um, and I was talking with somebody here in Arizona about potentially running a match here. Um, again, it's just the whole timing thing of like planning a major match. So yeah, and we're never home. Never. <laughs> no. I was. 
<laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, like I just got home on Friday. Mm-hmm. And then I immediately left, went to Phoenix Saturday and Sunday. The whole week before that, I was in California and got home on Friday. The two weeks before that, I was in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And like I'm home for like one to seven days, maybe, and then I'm on the road again. And I leave on Tuesday for Wyoming. Yeah. So I was supposed to be gone this weekend. And I was like, I called it because it was like a fun trip. And I was like, I need to be home because I live Tuesday. And then I'll be mm-hmm. on 12 planes in 30 days. And then I'm driving like four different states in between that. Yeah. Super yeah. fun. Where are you located out of again? I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee, East Tennessee. Nice. At least yeah. you're central. It's that's so that's what I did. Like, you know how you said, like, you could quit your job for three months. For me, it was single, no kids, no, no dog, no whatever. Right. Where it was like, why am I not moving to where I want to be? And like, I was in the panhandle of Florida where it's a dead zone for three gun. Alabama's nothing really. And I hate Florida because it's hot as, as balls. <laughs> um, but I, I want to move to Tennessee. And like you said, like, dude, Kentucky, Alabama, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, you name it. Central. Central to shooting, at least on this side. No, can't be everywhere in the country. <laughs> no. I would love to be. <laughs> right. Yeah, and um, I think going to major matches and different shooting events mm-hmm. definitely helps expand your perspective of where you kind of want to be. I realize that Arizona, like competitions, at the top of my list, and so I think Phoenix is. Um, Tucson too. I mean, Phoenix isn't too far, but I have more family down here. Yeah. Um, it is probably one of the biggest hubs for competition shooting. Yep. And like, you can go shoot a local match, and there's like seven national champions. Yep. Shooting the local match, and a lot of other heavy hitters are like, you might have a local USPSA with like twenty or thirty GMs. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, yeah. And you're like, is this a local or is this a major? But it gets to let you stack up figure out where you stack up against them. Yep. And that was a huge help coming up in the sport too. Yep. Um, just watching them shoot and being around them and saying like, Oh, I'm like, I can do that. I'm like, they just did what I did just a lot more consistently and smoother, <laughs> uh, which is typically the name of the game. I feel like everything up to, or everything master and above is all just mental. Yeah. And if you can execute. Um, yeah. But so watching these guys shoot, um, it was really nice to emulate and uh, realize, like, oh, I'm like, it's not too far off. I'm like, yep. why am I being this aggressive on the stage when these guys, like, if you watch, like, some of the top shooters shoot, like, they don't even look like they're pushing that hard at all. Because well, their match speed is different. I learned that from Mason Lane this weekend. It's like, you could do 100%, right, every single time, but their match speed mm-hmm. might be 90, it might be 80, it might yeah. They, they know that they know that i always love watching nils because he's just like taking big old gallopy steps and he doesn't care i shot with him at area six not this year but last year and he's just like yeah i don't know what i'm gonna do yet like two minutes before the stage starts like what do you mean you're not gonna do like you know yeah. he's like no but like, he's been know. shooting for 20 years yeah i know he just doesn't it's it's cool he cares he's focused but he's just like really mentally yeah. chill yeah but that's uh that's where i have to remind myself sometimes is like i'm only this is going into year four of shooting yeah. I'm like still yeah. pretty new to it where I'm like, yeah. mm-hmm. well, and I, I really like doing other things too. Like I love overlanding or I was talking to, um, I was talking to somebody and I finished second to them and they're a professional shooter. And I was like beaten up on myself and I was like, why? I'm like, I should be at the range. Like you're at the range practicing day in, day out. There's no reason why I shouldn't. I'm like, I had this discipline before, like when I first got started, like we talked about, 
yeah. like, I should have it now. And I'm like, I could, I could win a national title, you know, or whatever. I've no reason why I shouldn't have that discipline. But he's like, dude, he's like, you were like just in Alaska on a glacier. And I was like, yeah, that's true. You know, he's like, you just went fishing. You just, you just like, you did all these other things. He's like, he's like, I would trade shooting on the range to go do those things in a heartbeat. And then it's just like, it's always good to have perspective from other people of what's going on. So yeah. um, Not a lot of people what we do. It's like the balance of life. Right. And so I like traveling. I like going to stuff like the Gundy's. That was super fun. I want to talk about that. I wanted to get in the shot show in the Gundy's. <laughs> we can go into the yeah. Gundy's. Where did the track suit mafia become born? Was that you? That was that was that was uh, one of my initial ideas uh, from Red October, uh, <laughs> like five months prior, four months prior. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, I'm shooting this this AK match. <clears throat> um, I, I want to dress in Adidas jumpsuit. I want it to be Dylan Precision. Let's make something happen. And we found like the perfect blue Adidas jumpsuit. It was almost on brand color with Dylan. Um, and then I got it made and it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And the amount of media response I got at Red October was insane. Where um did a couple of interviews for some YouTube channels mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people's pictures and stuff like that. And uh the marketing director Nico over at Dylan was like, Whoa, <laughs> like this is a lot of attention, especially in the group pictures where it is a sea of brown, yes. khaki, green, camo, and then highlighter blue. That's why I wear it pickles. Just, I get it. <laughs> same deal, right? It's just it. bright. Yeah. It's bright. And so uh when we were brainstorming for what we were gonna do, the Gundies were like tracksuits and machine guns. That's it. <laughs> Well, and I don't think it was called the Gundies anymore. I just think it was Dylan Precision. Dylan Precision. <laughs> See, Mom, featuring yes. At the Gundies, featuring everybody else. So guys, um, picture this, like listening to this. I mean, it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. So like we had a guy in, in night vision, full tracksuit mafia with his, what was it? Like a cutout white. Yeah. Well, so uh, the tracksuit mafia is an Adidas three-stripe jumpsuit. That's baby blue, the same color as Dylan Precision's. Uh, brand color and we had eight people in these track suits and then i bought white ski masks for everybody <laughs> to wear throughout the day yeah eyes and cut out um, they and then, all day. yeah so we that was our costume for the entire weekend we didn't change we're like oh we're we gonna wear that? nope blue track suits so the whole time to think about <laughs> uh, we had clothes underneath them it wasn't like just that you know and um Disclaimer. but you know it was it was apparent that like we were, we made a, a mark on the weekend mm-hmm. because everybody could see the blue from a mile away. Yeah. And there's seven of us and we all walk around with uh, <laughs> slung machine guns for most of the days too. Well, and then there's the one guy literally just sitting there pulling the handle, yeah. loading so the actual holding, ammo you're shooting. <laughs> yeah. So we, we did something unique where we brought uh, an RL 1100 reloading press, a 10 stage progressive press to this influencer event. And, <laughs> We were loading ammo for the guns we were letting influencers shoot, um, which was super cool because people, for whatever reason, get scared about reloading. They think it's some big daunting task, um, and it's simply not the case. I I was in that boat for a long time, um, basically until I got bullied by my friends (laughs) to get a press, Um, and it was the best decision I made shooting. Mm -hmm. Um, So at the Gundy's, we got to really enlighten people about reloading 
that it's not that crazy. Um, it's not that scary. It's very easy. And once you understand the basic mechanics of the machine, anybody can do it to the point where I, <laughs> I complained to my mom one time, like, ah, I'm like, I keep running out of ammo. She's like, just give me, just teach me how to reload and I'll just let myself in and load ammo for you. And I'm like, super sweet. But I'm also like, I don't know. I'm like, I just, I'd rather just load it myself for QC reasons. Not that my mom's not capable of it, but, um, I just prefer to load my own ammo. Yeah. Um, so the Gundies was super fun. We made a riot. I know some companies were a little um, distraught about the commotion we were bringing to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just what happens when you get seven people in tracksuits having a good time because uh, we had, I'd argue, probably some of the coolest guns there. Yeah. Uh, we had a full auto Glock, full auto Vector, full auto MP5 SD, full auto MCX. Um, shot a couple of those. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, and then it was myself and Christian Sailor uh, doing one v ones for people if they wanted to shoot against us. Which all all I will say is I saw a whole different side of Christian, which I loved because I've always seen huh. him in serious match mode, and and he's just such a good kid. But that was that was really fun to see him like on yeah. a different level, chilling out. Yep. Yeah, it's fun time. Um, well, and you get to learn from uh, I don't know a world national champion, whatever. 10 times over area champion, national champion, <coughs> name it. And he's there. And, and the influencers, I don't think they they knew that, right? Like a lot of them just weren't mm-hmm. in our, our competitive shooting sport. And But to have people like that at those events, I think is really important for education. Um, hopefully more of them take advantage of that because that was really cool. Huge. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't be where I'm at as a shooter if it wasn't for competitive shooting. Yeah. Um, and when I'm teaching like civilians on a range, if I'm doing field craft classes, if I'm doing privates, whatever, I emphasize how important it is to get into competition shootings to be competent on, um, on your, on your, whatever gun you're carrying. This is primarily the, the same gun that I carry. Yeah. And it's my match gun that I use for USPSA. And I've even taken this hog hunting and there's hogs on this gun as well. <laughs> and like, I guarantee there's a very small fraction of people in USPSA that carry their match gun and have used it hunting before. You know what I mean? But I shot a snake with mine. Does that count? No. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I got a rattlesnake on this one too. Yeah, I mean that's that's a normal thing. Um, and this is also controversial, but I carry my match ammo as well. I just carry blue bullet one forty sevens. Yeah, it's controversial. I'll just not say anything. <laughs> okay, um, so go back to reloading for a second. Um, shout out! Someone give me some free defensive ammo. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know a company, you know, like Supervel. It's like not far from you at all. Maybe you've heard of her. Um, <laughs> like six hours. Oh, okay. I don't like. <laughs> um. Okay. Reloading presses. No. Yeah. Um. I'm still terrified, so I'm probably in that boat still, but just because. When did I'm, you get your press behind you, and what press is that? It's a 750, and I got it in February. Um. I've loaded exactly like 20 rounds on it because I'm terrified. 20? Here's why. Here's why. Terrified, but like I am just now getting an open gun built. So like I'm gonna have to reload. Whereas before I was like, I could just buy 40 and I could buy nine. Um, I'm still nervous. Like I should be loading for PCC and having a like 20 power factor less than what I am shooting because I'm at like 150 something. But I'm nervous. I've never done it. I don't know how. I ask questions, I'm still feeling stupid. They are um, simple. I put it together myself. Okay. Yep. I did good. So I <laughs> Just I remember the first the first rounds I shot after I reloaded. I was so nervous because mm-hmm. um, I'm like, this gun's gonna blow up and I'm gonna die. <laughs> That's where um, I'm at. And 
this is crazy and you might not even believe me, but I didn't die. I know. I know. And it was fine. Everything was okay. The worst that's going to happen is your rounds aren't going to group, <laughs> which is also how I found out how my barrel was shot out of that first MP because I was going absolutely crazy. Oh. I spent 2,000 rounds trying to figure out what my load was. <laughs> I knew group out of every other one of my guns besides my competition MP. And then I put an apex barrel in there and it grouped the same hole. And I'm like, you're dumb. <laughs> but long story short, as long as you're following, like you get the reloading books are great. Or even better, if you have a friend with load data, mm -hmm. um, grab their load data and just, you just go step by step, station by station, set up that round to how you need it. Um, you got to think like, especially if you're loading minor power factor nine. Like I use 147s. I think I have like 3.1 grains of powder in my rounds, which is not yep. that much. When you consider people are shooting nine major at like 10 or 11 grains. That's full. So like, <laughs> yeah. Even, even if there's a little extra in there, I'll be fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I know people running uh, open Glocks and open Smith and Wessons with major nine. Yeah. So I'm just like, there's not really much that could go wrong as far as that. Even if I double charge and I'm at six grains. I'm going to use a Glock when I go out to the range. I'm not using a 2011 or any fancy gun I have. Honestly, I feel like the 2011 would be better. But then if I blow Just, it up, <laughs> anyways. But it's like tougher, you know? Anyways, but it is it is very simple. I had friends help me out who have been reloading. Yeah. Um, help me set up my press. Holden, the guy with the night vision, was one of them. He helped me set up my 1100. Did they other friends Zach house? helped me set up my 650. Um, Dylan's local to Phoenix, and I... I tend to break everything I own and I broke something on my press, like setting it up. So I needed to get a new part. And I was like, you know what? We're just taking the whole press with us. And cause I was like, I like, I was going up there. I was going to hang out at Dylan anyways. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm just going to bring it up and just ask questions there. Okay. And so I just brought the press in and it was like, I, I want you to run me through this, the whole thing right now. Oh, and, yeah. uh, he was generous enough to do that. My other friend, Zach uh, Huff, he, when I got my 650, he had one. So he like showed me how his machine worked. And then he came over uh, and basically helped me set up that machine and hmm. made it work from there. Um, but it is, once you know, like the basics of whatever you're loading or like yeah. you look up the reloading data, yeah. you're fine. I have recipes. Absolutely. I have everything I need. I have all the recipes. It's just nerve wracking. Yeah. Hey, as long as everything checks out, measure it twice, and uh, and you'll be good to go. Yeah. Um, but Dylan, Dylan Precision makes it like as easy as possible. Yeah, it is simple um, setup. We're like you and I can set up machines. That's what I was about to say. If I can figure that one out, <laughs> we're <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> I don't um, understand anything. <laughs> so I'm actually I'm getting a 750 later this year. Nice. To add to my presses, I have I have a 650 that I started on. Um, and then I bought a 1050 with my friends load two two three. Nice. Um, and then I got an 1100 this year to start loading nine because I was shooting so much. <laughs> and then I'm getting a 750 for nine that I'm putting in my truck. Oh, that'll be sick. And so I think this is going to be the first mobile Dylan reloading station. I've seen some truck. I've seen some hitches with them, but like fuck all that wind. I don't. I think there is somebody that's in my community and I got to ask him. I know he shoots blue bullets, but I, he like trailers and overlands. He doesn't have a house. Like that is truck and trailer. Mm. And I think he's maybe it's in his trailer. trailer. Yeah. I'd have but to ask. 
But yeah, I mean, like that's legit. I'd be interested to talk to him because I've got some questions about how making all this happen. <laughs> he went um, to shot show and ended up with like twenty thousand bullets, <laughs> and he said like the trailer was just like weighed down. I'm like, yeah, dude. Like once you start putting lead, it's in a there, lot. Yeah, I know. I see. I think I'm just gonna go like the Nicolas Cage route from uh, Lord of War and just have like a Connex somewhere, or maybe Connex is strategically placed around Connex the country. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and like have like the MP5 SD up on the wall that I can just like grab. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I've been really happy with Dylan, um, especially working with them in more of an official capacity as of late. And uh, they're just they're good people over there. It's good products, it's quality yeah. products. And I recommend Dylan for, like, any reloading needs for anybody. Yeah. Like, if anybody wants to get into reloading, if they're not getting a Dylan, they're wrong. <laughs> it's fun they they sponsor a lot of events too it, okay swear to god they had only one changeover kit so they had the powder drop or the tool at everything that you needed to do another caliber and i was not real we're at the dinner the only one they're giving out right and i read off my ticket number to my buddies like four six three five and then the guy did the ticket and he goes four six three five or whatever i was like oh i spoke it into existence <laughs> nice <laughs> and like i need that because i bought two two three stuff to do um like heavies for for three gun and stuff but yeah yep. Yeah, cool. and the two, two there's a lot more that goes into the two two three than there is. I bought nine. brass. I bought brass, but no, yeah, yeah. nine forty. I so I've actually I stopped processing my nine mil brass as well, and I found a local <laughs> brass processor um, who does it relatively cheap if you're in the Arizona area and stuff like that. But he um, he supplies to people like Superville or like Badlands Ammunition or HSL and stuff like that. So he's moving like thousands upon thousands of pounds of brass every month. So I'm like, excuse me, can I have 10,000 rounds? He's like, whatever, take it, kid. Here you go. <laughs> and um, yeah. But it's really nice. I, I collect a bunch of brass for matches from instructing and stuff like that. And I was like, hey, can I just like bring you all my brass and just basically just have like a credit system and like just make yeah. withdrawals? And so he's like, yeah, sure. And I brought over literally uh, 50 gallons of mixed brass. What the heck? And he's like, whoa, that's a lot. And I'm like, I told you. And, um, but Hunter, it's really you nice. You don't do anything small. Like, you no. don't do anything. Yeah. No. I go, like, all in, whatever I'm doing. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, um, so, okay. yeah. it's uh, But reloading helped a lot for competition shooting. Yeah. I, I argue with people that it adds about 5% to your match score when you have tuned ammo yeah. for your gun. Yeah. So when you're shooting like minimum power factor, yeah. Um, super consistent. I, sorry, blue bullets, but you're not the most accurate projectiles. Um, there's probably better options if you want to do it, but they're super cheap. You know, it's like six cents around or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and so I can buy a lot of them. And so like, I'll buy like 50,000 at a time just to get those price breaks from them. Yep. Um, whatever it is, but like you get used to shooting that ammo. You understand how your gun feels with that ammo. Um, and you just get to be a lot more in tune with the whole system. Yeah. And sure. so I like, I like going into major matches with like 500 to a thousand rounds in this gun. Yeah. Yeah. Without like, I'll clean it and then I'll go have like two practice sessions and then go shoot the major. Okay. And like, I don't, I don't like going into majors with like a squeaky clean gun. I'm just like, it just doesn't, doesn't feel right. Cause I'm normally shooting it dirty. Right. So I want shooting the match dirty. The same way. Um, yeah. And then the other thing is just cheaper. Even with ammo prices right now, it's still cheaper to reload. Um, and I think I'm at, I mean, we can do the math real quick. It's probably like 18 to 20 cents around for reloaded yeah. nine right now. 
realistically yeah. if you're buying everything new. Um, but still better than three hundred or four hundred dollars per thousand. For sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. When you account for shipping and everything else like that. Yeah. Um, but I like to I load one forty seven, so um, I have I think I have like eighteen or twenty suppressors now. I have nine mil machine guns and stuff like that. So I like having subsonic nine on hand because that was something I didn't have before. And even if you're buying like Lawman 147s, it's still like 980 or like a thousand feet per second. It's like we're subsonic. And I did for those of you listening, it's like bunny ears because it's like barely subsonic. Um, but like I would mind, I think it's like 880, 890 is average between yeah. my guns. Um, which just like gives me a little bit of extra room for power factor, depending on where I'm shooting. Um, still quiet enough. And then I have my 650 set up for what I call my super quiet subsonic ammo. I just made up that name. I don't call it anything, but it's um, 780 feet per second, 147s. Oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and so you can um, you can run like super duper light recoil springs and guns, and it slows down the cyclical rate of the submachine guns. That's cool. Um, yeah. And it's ridiculously quiet. <laughs> uh, like almost so quiet, you may be able to get away with shooting it in your backyard if you live in the suburbs. In the city. Or, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Though. In the city. Yeah, you wouldn't know. Yeah. Right. Wouldn't know. Um, it's not something I would do or recommend doing, but something you might be able to get away with. He's <laughs> like, wink, wink. Um, <laughs> okay, Kenzie said it. that. Hunter did not say that. For the record. <laughs> Okay, there was. I wanted to ask you about the DQ that recently oh. happened. Is that your only one that you've ever had? No, I uh, I'm on track to getting one DQ a year. So okay, it's kind of take me. Back. It's like a it's like a joke. It well, it's it's now a running joke, but I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm just granted one major match DQ a year at this point. <laughs> this was probably. This is probably the most deserving of what happened. For those of you who don't know, it was two gun PCC nationals. Um, and my gun decided it didn't want to stay in the barrel. And so it flipped out and the barrel pointed at me. Um, Hunter decided not to put it in the barrel correctly. And Hunter I'll looked at I'll it knowing it was not in the barrel correctly and still no, walked away. I, I was, it's, it's that thing where like it's happening and I'm already uh -huh. moving away. Yeah. Um, honestly, the joke for that as well is that I, since I was using a 31 round mag with a plus 10 extension uh, and Colorado recently had the magazine <laughs> restrictions that if I was using a Colorado compliant mag, I wouldn't have been DQ'd. <laughs> um, but yeah, my magazine base pad caught on the edge of the barrel. Yeah. Um, and I thought there'd be enough momentum just to have it fall into the barrel at that point. And I, it was like, if you look at the video, it's the most gentle set into a barrel you've ever seen. It's not like I even like speared it in there or anything. But I, when I let go of the gun, I was already drawing my pistol. So I already had my pistol out as this gun's falling. Um, and that's another DQ is having, I think, two guns in your hand. If you hold, yeah. Yeah. I think, right? Yeah. Or no. Uh, if you have. No, actually, I don't think that is because I, some guys dump the barrel as they're grabbing it out of their holster. Yeah, but that's like time stuff that no RO is going to be able to be like, that happened at the exact same time. Yeah. Long story short, I was an idiot and let my gun fall out of a barrel and got DQ'd. <laughs> um, that was my very first stage. Solid. But but that wasn't far for you, you was it? 
Yeah, eleven hours isn't that bad driving. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Okay, no, hop, hop, I did. Skip and a jump away. I did the same thing. I went eleven hours to Missouri. I was so excited. I never shot this match. They don't even do it anymore. And first stage, like after ripping nine shots of rifle, I, of course, fall, trip, fall down the mountain. Pistol goes flying. DQ. And I even call it. You hear me in the video going, DQ. Like, <laughs> it's like yeah. I, in you my know, video, I'm just holding my head. I saw that. Both hands on my forehead. Just like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. um, it hurts. And, but I was with the TTI guys. I stayed. I grabbed uh, their media guys, secondary camera, and just shot. Oh, yeah video the rest of it and i think that's also important just being like a good good sport about it afterwards immediately apologize to the ro's and everybody on my squad and actually the ro who was running me got dq'd the day prior for the exact same thing with his gun falling out happens um barrel just because uspsa decided to use trash cans instead of dump boxes yep um and honestly uh, same issues sometimes I don't think it's as prone than like a short dude. Their dump, their dump buckets for pistols were five gallon buckets on the ground. Yeah. So we coined the name that the 2022 two gun PCC nationals is called trash can nationals. <laughs> Just like multi-gun nationals was mulligan national. <laughs> yeah. So many reshoots, but like, and a lot of, and there's a lot of controversy with the mags, a lot of controversy with infinity. Um, yeah. And so a lot of heat just didn't show up either. So like the it was a nationals match with like 140 people there total. Yeah. And no, none of the people from like the prior <coughs> that won it like yeah came back. Yeah. yeah. But shout out to Nil. Shout out to Zach for taking their division titles. Crushed it. Um, Crushed it. So that's okay, pretty cool. So, go ahead. Um, I was gonna I was just gonna talk about some of the other DQs. Um, that's what I want to ask. What what, what were the okay. other three? <laughs> So that was at Cameo Shooting Complex in Colorado, and my 2021 uh, 20, DQ was also at Cameo Shooting Complex for IDPA Nationals um, uh, for a bullshit call as well. Or, sorry, not as well, but just for a bullshit call, but it was for the muzzle exemption zone, um, and it was just based off of the perspective that the RO had. Have video evidence that, like, I'm fine and everything, and I waited an hour and a half for the MD to come for me to, like... Um, dispute it and rebuttal right. it and everything never showed up what? and uh my squad already finished like three stages and oh. uh i had other i shot early and i had to leave the match early to go for another obligation and i was already fed up i also got i think three people in my squad dq'd at idpa nationals in the first four stages Wow. Um, and they handed out like seven procedurals or eight procedurals in the first amount of stages. Was that just the stage design? Like that sounds like a match issue. Match. It was the uh, the SOs or safety officers in IDPA. And they ran everybody hot. But there's two squads per bay, two stages per bay, and everybody's hot. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Like it blows my mind. They're like, how is this better? Mm-mm. And then there's a lady from Tucson that ended up shooting her foot that match as well. Okay. So I had an issue with that. I went to one only IDPA match and like, we don't need to go hot when it was like a classifier ish looking stage and you're standing in a box, you're in a box and you're like, we are going to make the next shooter ready and hot, even though we're going to reset and come down range. Right. And I was like, why? Like, it's gonna take me two seconds just to load this, this shooting PCC. So like, Oh, just load your PCC and point it down. I'm like, I'm not pointing at my foot. Like, no, no. The answer is no. It was, it was I, ridiculous. Was um, luckily yeah. she was okay. Um, miraculously it didn't it 
missed all of her bones in her foot. She got really lucky. I'd be pissed. Super lucky. Um, <laughs> and this is like pretty insensitive, but I found it a little bit comical. But um, there was one shooter there that was, uh, he used to be like a pipe hitter in the 70s doing some <laughs> like high speed shit, you know, and like seeing a lot of, seeing a lot of people do some shit, right? And uh, she's screaming, like, I don't want to die. And he was literally walking by going, I don't want to die, like mocking her, knowing she's going to be fine. Yeah. We're like, dude, you're a fucking asshole, man. Like, she just shot herself. This is the first large traumatic experience with the firearm, you know, whatever. But yeah. she was okay. Um, he didn't apologize. Um, and then the year before that was a three gun match, uh, excommunicado three gun. <laughs> I got a DQ on my shotgun, it's an AK variant from Dissident. And when I went to you disengage the safety with your index knuckle, mm-hmm. um, and me being the gamer I was, I was already like prepping sights and finger on target. Yeah. So as soon as I clicked the safety, I shot, and the the stock was like three or like two feet from my shoulder. So like shot and then shot back into my shoulder. And in three gun, and correct me if I'm wrong, since you're a Kenzie three gun, um, the shot has to be. Th- three yards in front of the target for it not to be a DQ. Yeah. Um, and even in USBSA, it's like 11 <coughs> feet. Cause it, yeah, to be safe or whatever. So you can't have it right there. So like I had a DQ well, in February though, because someone drew their, their pistol and shot literally like right in front of the box side of their foot. So they come oh. with a measuring tape to measure the distance. And it's like the, this shooter was like, no bro. Like well, there's the bullet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, um, yeah, I was like almost at target. I was four yards away from the target where my impact was. So it was like right on the cusp, but it was my buddy running me. And I didn't want to put him in a bad spot. No. And like I shot, I stopped, I looked at him, you know? Yeah. And then he just goes, stop. Like, yeah. And, Not fun. Uh, went home. And uh, the year before that was a Yuma charity match. And I had an AD while reloading on a Glock. Yeah. Now I did argue this one, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't AD, but I had an AD alpha on a tuxedo target while moving away from it. <laughs> so it was safe in the berm and I hit the target. And uh that's luck. That's called luck. That's when shooters get lucky. Um it's called skill, Kenzie. It's called lucky. Okay? <laughs> it's called skill. Um no to answer your question though, going back with like the shots, so yeah, it's a shot like which <laughs> within ten feet. So yeah, if you okay. are shooting Unless, like, it's stuff that's different. It's, like, frangible targets closer, but that's not a frangible target that you're shooting yeah, at. Yeah, it was a knockdown steal, like, down in this yeah. crevasse. Yeah. And but they'll measure I, it. They'll come out. It's like, what, yeah, when I came up, it was just that thing where it was, like, we both know it was an AD. It yeah. just seemed, like, a little bit far. He just paced it out and walked it. And he's, like, <laughs> probably longer. And I was, like, yeah. And I'm, like, I, I don't want to put you in a bad spot or anything like that. And just, no, I think it's better to have that integrity shooting. Yeah, I was about to say that because they're okay. I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Question some integrity, okay? God. Um, let's say USPSA RO calls two alpha and it's like an alpha Charlie for your squad mate. Do you shut up or you tell the RO? I do. I kind of give people shit. Like I kind of like, uh, can we look at that again? And then I'll like, buddy, like that's a Charlie. But my thing is like ROs. I know they make mistakes. Because I'm yeah. like, okay, you're looking at 17,000 targets throughout the day. And I mean, I had a really, really hard time with it, I'll be honest. And I'm probably an asshole for it. At, at multi-gun nationals and two-gun nationals, the two-gun in Talladega, none of those pistol shooters know scoring for multi-gun, right? And I'm like, 
it was really painful because I was just trying to explain like how things were wrong. But then shooters would get mad, like, why don't you just give that to me? And I'm like, I don't give scores. I give what you have. <laughs> yeah. What's different from multi-guns? Just two anywhere? So, I mean, two anywhere, but the um, A zone can also be the neutralized target. So one in the A or uh, two anywhere. Um, but there's also like the uh, frangible targets. So like if, if there's even like a crack, I know you've seen those like shotgun play targets or whatever. You have to go look at those. Or if they just fall, like you have to watch their shooting because like just falling doesn't break it. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. It's just it's a challenge. And then you have the thing with me too is nine mil and nine mil. And you have two different types of targets and one's supposed to be PC and one's supposed to be pistol. How are you tracking that? Yeah. Same bullet diameter holes. And I'm like, you have to have eyes on it. Yeah. Yeah. I saw some I was walking around during that two gun nationals match and I saw some shisty <laughs> shit where like a guy definitely engaged a PCC target with his pistol. Mm-hmm. And got the And then he's like, he'd literally be like, the RO's being like, you engaged that with the wrong gun. And he'd be like, oops, my bad. I thought it was a pistol or whatever target, pistol or PCC uh, target. I'm like, everybody knows. It, everybody knows. It's that was blatant. USPSA. Yeah. But well, for the two gun, yeah, for the two gun, it was the, uh, yeah, the, amoebas and like the silhouettes but um it's just like dude like you know what you're doing because he was only shooting one alpha on everything and he had a charlie and then he shot it with his pistol and then they just gave him they gave him fully neutralized so i don't do that gave stuff i mean i know that's probably an asshole thing especially your buddy or squad mate or whatever because i'm like fuck it reshoot do it again buddy yeah i do both if you ask uh, any of my squad mates in like kentucky dude I'm like, check that again, because there was like a Delta Edge hit or whatever. And I'm like, why aren't you walking your targets? So like, Kenzie, I guess the <laughs> hero in me is always walking targets to be like, mm, no, mm, yes. <coughs> so I've helped and hurt yeah. both. <laughs> for sure. Good or I'm not. always looking. I'm always looking out for squad mates. <laughs> yeah. So okay, like, if it's on. a if it's a if it's a better score, I'm just like, ah, whatever. <laughs> oh. Like, oh, they called it two alpha. And it's like pretty close and it could be a try. Oh, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna tape it. Yeah, but so many no, so many don't overlay it or ask for overlays or walk. I'm like, dude, like no. that's it. That is a big difference at the top. So, yeah. I I did have a match earlier this year where like a guy would um, it'd be a close call like that, and like maybe he's wrong, and he'd be like, hey, tape that, and like tell his squad mates to tape it fast, and then he would argue the opposite for other people's targets and be like, hey, RO, come back here and check it. Yeah. I'm like, hey, at least be consistent. Yeah. 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 But I always uh. I always fair on the side of the shooter more than anything else, especially if they're um, uh, if they're shooting the same division and like have a chance to beat me. Connor, <laughs> because I still want to beat them even if they got a free alpha. Okay, okay, it gives you yeah competitive edge. I could see that, yeah, um, but like the opposite, like I'm giving myself a yeah, competitive yeah, yeah. disadvantage. No, but you want that. You want to go better. You want to push yourself better. You should. Yeah, exactly. I'm giving myself a disadvantage, so I have to perform better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like that. Okay, we've digressed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've digressed. I want to talk about your daily carry. Like, honestly, there are so few of us, I think, that carry daily uh, publicly. Like, I know, like, you and I both make posts. Like, yo, why is this not on your pants? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of your fun videos, but why is that so important for people to take serious? Nobody, their body type, if they're female, the male, whatever, like there's a method to carry a gun. I think number one, um, 
carry the biggest gun you feel comfortable with because yeah. it's easier to shoot. I think subcompact guns and small guns are stupid. Yeah. Um, time and a place, uh, I guess, for small guns, but I've been going between a 5-inch MNP 2.0 with a Streamlight or a 5-inch 2011 Nighthawk with a comp and a Surefire Light. <laughs> and, like, I'm not... I'm not like a big dude or anything. Um, and, but I like, I can seal it fine. I think it comes down to your belt, your placement and your holster and you can carry whatever gun you want. Yep. Um, shout out to the Constantine concealed carry belt, but it's a belt I'm coming out with that will probably be released by the time this podcast out. Um, but it is made for all body shapes and male and female and, uh, I wear it in the truck when I'm going like a 10 hour drive. I yeah. wear it at the gym. I wear it hiking. I wear it hunting. I wear it in all walks and it's comfortable. Um, what do you wear at the gym with belt loops? Um, like these, like these shorts I'm wearing, these are like athletic up. shorts with, you can't really see. <laughs> <laughs> with, with belt loops he's on gonna it. He's going to stand up guys. Yeah, he stood up. And they're, and they're stretchy and I wore it to the gym and I did a leg day with my gun on just to see if I could do it. Are they you know? born primitive? Those are the shorts that you should wear. No, these are um, they're from Mayhem Syndicate. He doesn't make them anymore. I'm pretty pissed. It's but, sad. It's sad when the good stuff goes away. I know. Anyways, so, um, <laughs> but like number one thing is I want to be comfortable with my gun. It shouldn't be uncomfortable for you to wear that gun. And if it is uncomfortable, you're not gonna something's wear it. off. Yeah, or you're not gonna um, wear it. And so like, you got to change your belt, change your holster, change the gun you're carrying. Um, the main reason I carry my Smith and Wesson primarily is because I have so many rounds on it. I probably have close to like 275,000 rounds on that platform. Yeah. Um, so I know that gun inside and out. Yep. I know exactly where my holds are. Um, I've shot the gun out to 400 yards. We've seen the video. Um, How many takes did that take? Honestly, not as many as you'd think. No. Um, we, we were having a hard time IDing, hitting the target and base department media needed to get his zoom lens so we could actually see the target so i shot like a mag and we could see the dust splash mm -hmm. and there was about like half the mag where we didn't have any dust splash okay um so it was either really close to the target or i hit the target and we just didn't yeah. know yeah and that's why it's so anticlimactic when i hit it i'm like oh i hit it I'm like oh i hit it <laughs> because we couldn't tell and we we're <clears throat> just looking through the lens of the camera right um but it's honestly not um, – I don't think it's as hard as people think it is. I shot um, 200 with iron sights, and it had, a, like, the barrel, you know, with the right-hand twist, which was fun. Because the first shot, I didn't have it on video. I actually hit it, and then it took me, like, five more tries to get it on video. Yeah. I was like, yeah. There was, like, there was a, a class I took with Buck Doyle. He's, like, this intermediate Marsoc sniper dude. Uh-huh. Um, and he was spouting off about how competition shooting doesn't have a place in the tactical world. It's like whatever, dude. Um, and I was I was shooting with a group of like more of the tactical, um, tactical minded shooters, mm -hmm. and we had to make two hundred forty yard impacts with our pistol. We had to make two impacts on the target to pass, and we were in a single file line. And he would literally make people go to their trucks and get more ammo if they ran out of ammo on their belt. Um, and like I remember my first dude, Chris, he nailed his first shot, and then it took him like sixteen more shots to get a second one, Ugh. and then. So I remember specifically one guy had to go back to his truck and load mags to shoot and he wouldn't let anybody else shoot, you know? And then uh, it got to me and my boy who shoot USPSA 
and got my trusty M and P one forty sevens. And, uh, I took a shot, saw where the impact was adjusted shot, hit second shot, hit or third shot, hit. So it was three, shot, three shots, two hits, nice. 240 yards silhouette. And then my buddy comes up behind me. Uh, it took him two shots to figure out where his hold was, then hit his third and fourth shot. Nice. And then I was like, so much for competition shooting. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then he's, I was like, um, he's like, you know, da, da, da. And I was like, why don't you do it? And I'm like, can you do it in three shots? And then he didn't do it in three shots. And then I was kind of on a stink list. But um, I think smack talking is also important. Well, um, instructors is why I do not teach high level. I cannot demo or do the things at the high level. I can teach the basics, but like he should be able to demo whatever he's requiring you guys to do. And if he's going to force you to yeah. shoot it, he did it. He did it in like 10 rounds, though. Still, he should be one, two, or one, two, three, or whatever you guys did. Yeah. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> but um, he definitely made me eat my lunch on the rifle stuff. So sure, sure. Pistol but shooters get a whole new world when they switch over to rifle. I'll just say that. Yeah, I think it's easier though. I think it's easier for pistols to shoot rifle than rifle it is to shoot pistol. Because I've seen some rifle people shoot pistols like, <laughs> oh, 100%. buddy. Yeah, pistols um, are hard. But with that, con- with the concealed carry, I carry every day. I carry. Um, I don't think I should say that on record. No, nope, don't. I know what you're going. <laughs> Yep. I travel a lot though. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but so, yeah, I think it's important to have something that's going to defend your life. The number one thing should be get yourself out of that situation. Yeah. Number two should be de escalate, and number three should take action. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> or like, um, Elijah Dickens, that just happened, mm-hmm. uh, for those of you listening later on, but he landed eight out of 10 shots at 40 yards against an armed gunman and a mall. Um, that's huge. And With a mall uh, with a sign that said no guns. No guns, right? And so, um, you know, one guy carried a gun into that mall with the mindset of murdering people, and then the other one brought a gun into that mall with the mindset of protecting people, and that's exactly what he did that day. Yep. Um, and I think it's, a, it's important to train. Uh, like, if you look at the Uvalde shooting from Texas, they had a 148 yard um, rifle shot on the attacker and they asked for permission to make that shot when that should have just been an immediate shot. Yep. He has all the data he needs to do to back him up. Um, maybe he wasn't as confident with understanding the laws of the engagement, like the legal side of engaging him. Right. <clears throat> which is probably the most common why I asked for permission. Um, but the, and, I don't, and I'm not sure because there's been a lot of stuff floating around about the Elijah Dickens shooting, but people were saying that he hasn't had any training. Um, uh, yeah, we've all heard speculation stuff. I've heard that he got his permit like three months ago or got. The yeah, permit. I don't know, but I don't know either. At the end of the day, to make 40 yard shots, you have to have some basic understanding of how to use that gun. 100%. Period. Especially um, eight out of 10. You're not just a beginner or someone that doesn't use their fire. Right. And to keep engaging too. 100%. Yeah. Um, but like, but I so I know what the signs I'll say this too. Um, if you were ever in that situation, right? Like I know I can commonly say that my two, my 2A community would show up, right? I don't, I know we don't love the NRA, but NRA, USC, CCA, all these companies or organizations, mm-hmm. if you are defending somebody's life or your own in a, in a, you know, zone that had that sign, of course, yeah. the left's going to come after that. But there's so many companies that are going to show up and support you and make sure that you have like legal fees or taken care of because you just saved someone's life. Yeah. Like, you're not going to 
I don't think you're going to go to jail for that or be penalized for that. No, I mean, there is a lot of concealed carry cases throughout the country where people have gone bankrupt and they've yeah. found themselves in um, unfavorable positions. But I think something that gets this type of coverage definitely would do so. But I mean, even us being in the 2A community and the brands that we're associated with, mm-hmm. uh, they take care of and like, let Like, you know, let's say I, I did use a Smith and Wesson and I have this field craft hat on, you know what I mean? Like, I'd be like, Hey, I'm in legal trouble right now because of this. I need help. And I guarantee that they would find some sort of budget to help out with that because I mean, looking at it from a marketing standpoint, which is like terrible, but it's the side we live in today. It's like, yeah, it's like, I guarantee they'll probably sell more Smith and Wessons in some way, shape or form. Or yeah. if I'm an instructor for Fieldcraft, I'm a Fieldcraft hat and I just stopped an active shooter. It's probably going to sell classes for Fieldcraft or yeah. whatever. And it's like, whatever happens, there's, there's people that will support it. Yeah. I know a lot of private individuals that are willing to support stuff like that as well. Yep. Yep. Um, and I think that's huge on the 2A community. And I wish, I wish we got together more to change other things as well, because yep. people will rally around memes about donkeys. Uh, <laughs> and for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, there's a guy who shot a donkey under a thermal optic and said he thought it was a coyote and he got in trouble because it was an endangered species and everybody made memes over the next like 48 hours, but we can't write our legislation to change our laws and policies and things like that. Yeah. I would really like to see a change where people take it a lot more seriously. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see a little bit of less memes and more people that are making the memes take action or do something about it. Yeah. Instead of making memes. And it doesn't help. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's important that we all find a way to influence the community in one way, shape or form to make it better. Yeah. Um, and have people understand a little bit better. Like I, um, mine's through instructing with people. I get to reach a handful of civilians every single month for law enforcement officers um, and remind them the importance of speaking out to their actions, being trained, being prepared, et cetera. Um, yeah. And so that's huge. And so I carry a gun every single day. Yep. I don't care where I'm at. I gun will be on me every single day. Yep. Same. Um, sometimes it's more basic. Like I don't do a full, appendix sidecar thing i do carry appendix but it's just single holster for the gun i've got uh um i think it's 19 plus one with the base pad that i have or maybe 18 i don't know but in my mind i'm like if i if if 18 rounds doesn't get me out of that situation then there's probably something more serious going on that i gotta worry about yeah um and so I, I mean, I think it's just important to go out and test your skill. Like right now I'm working on build drills at 25 yards for all A's. My goal is to go sub two. Okay. I could see you doing that. And, um, again, I just like, I want to be able to, to have that type of accuracy at that distance. Yeah. You know, or like I was doing, um, this was like the end of last year, I think I was doing 50 yard plate racks <laughs> on uh, eight inch plates. And I think I was getting into like the low threes nice, or like the mid threes or something Yeah, but like that's pretty spicy for 50 yards. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Cause basically um, you're, you're confirming when your dot lifts or whatever, and you're not listening or looking at the target. You're just next one. Like, you know where it's at. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's it. Lot, but yeah. I think practicing the distance stuff helps a lot because when you get up really close, like big A zone targets, it's like 
the side of a barn and you can just rip into it. Yeah. Yeah. This past weekend I did five and 25 yards and the same issues that are going to be at five. What do you think about, eight? what do you think about truck guns? Like truck you rifles? You have to have stuff? one. You have to have one. You should have one. Um, I built five. a couple pistols. Well, I mean, if I'm in a vehicle and I can have a lot more rounds and maneuver a lot easily, I mean. But like, are you building like, a, are you building like an AR? Yeah, like an AR pistol. What are you using it for? I have a 300 blackout and a 5.56. What do you mean? Like, what are you, what are you using the truck gun for? What's the situation where you have time to take out that rifle and engage somebody? I'm instead not of leaving out the your... rifle. Rifles, right. Well, pistol's always on me. Like, I don't take it off. I don't have a magic. Yeah, same here. But this has been like a heated debate lately of like, if, if your number one goal is to get yourself out of that situation, yeah. why aren't you just leaving in your vehicle instead of taking the rifle out? What if you're using your vehicle as a weapon to take something out to get into a position and then you have a larger caliber gun and with more rounds? And what if it's like a hunting situation? What if it's like a an that's so that's the only scenario like, where I'm like this like, makes sense. Because I'll be the middle of nowhere else. Yeah, yeah. We're like a bear. Like I'm about to go wrestle a bear. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Please don't do that. But I mean, like I am in some really weird remote places, and then like yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I've gone back and forth. I um I have like a truck PCC in my truck. Yeah. But I mean, like traveling, awesome. if someone else is in your vehicle with you, right? And they know mm -hmm. how to use a firearm and they don't carry, like there's that right there. Yeah. I don't know. I was just, uh, it's been a hot debate because I know some people with like fully kitted out ARs and it's like, yeah, like if there's a shooter at the mall, I'm going to like grab the gun, go into the mall with my AR. And it's like, I probably wouldn't, dude. <laughs> I okay. mean, because frankly, if the cops show up, they don't know that you're a good guy. Yeah. You're not, you're not in uniform. All they see is you with a rifle. Now there's two two guys with a rifle inside of me. <laughs> not, funny. not funny. Why are you laughing? It's not funny. I'm trying not to laugh, but the way you're saying it, yeah. I know. I know. But, and so, like, I just, we had a long talk about that this past weekend at the class that I was teaching. And, uh, um, I, I'm just going to say, more is not bad. Having extra huh. and more is huh. not bad. So, if I have to get there, <laughs> We're in a different do you have, do you have your gun locked? No. What do you mean locked? It's just like in your in your vehicle. Is it I in don't, a locked compartment? No, and I don't, no, no. It's, everything would be on my body or in hand's reach, and I don't ever. Um, so you just keep a rifle just like in next to your chair? Uh, not next, next to mine, to passenger seat? seat. But I don't actually leave guns in my truck ever, period. Okay, but and so I when you're traveling, you just got an AR riding shotgun with you. But not a shotgun, but like down there where you can't. Yeah, yeah. Cool shotgun. yeah. or yeah. behind the scene. I mean, but like it's not something where it's going to take three or four or five different movements to go get it. And a lock gun, useless. An unloaded gun, useless. What's the point? What What do you do when you get gas? I'm standing outside of my vehicle. But like if you have to go in to use the bathroom or something, the gun just stays there. Okay, we are in a whole different place. <laughs> I'm just curious because like, I don't know, like I keep, I keep my gun under my back seat in my truck. I mean, so it's my, out of view. My tent is illegal. Dang, you're breaking laws? <laughs> like the minute I <laughs> bought that truck, I drove it straight to the <laughs> place the very next day, dropped that money, yeah. went back. I don't, I've never had a problem with it, but. I was just curious. I was just like to ask, um, yeah. just, just because. Yeah. <laughs> just to see how people are carrying it, you know. Well, anyways, I digressed again. A few more questions. 
Okay. Uh, what's the coolest thing that you've, you've done working or in this industry period? Like what's something for like the record books? Um, hmm. Are you flown on that, cool that jet? What's that? Have you flown on the private airplane? <laughs> Which one? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've flown on some jets. Um, but it's uh, I mean the minigun's pretty cool from Dylan. Um, that's like a bucket list item for sure. Um, I think just the exposure. Honestly, probably just the machine guns. Period. Okay. It's like getting my own SO, getting an SOT and having machine guns is probably the coolest shit. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. It's because it's the most fun because I get to go like, like um, I brought my Uzi out the other day to practice with one magazine for the sole reason of mag dumping from my hip. No sights, just in a target. Because I'm like, this is gonna be fun. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Like that. That stuff's fun and it's just consistent. Um, or pistol snipes, really like pistol snipes. So. It's pretty cool. Uh, I don't know. It depends on like what type of cool, you know what I mean? Because I think competing around the country is pretty cool. Like shooting the Alaska match the last three years, the Alaskan sectional. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty unique. Or every single year I've been in USPSA, I've shot nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another just unique thing. There's a lot of cool elements. Or even just like teach, you know, reaching hundreds of people every year, teaching them. Yeah, for sure. It just depends on like what type of cool you're talking about, like cool in a humanitarian sense like yeah teaching people that's awesome cool in a uspsa sense like shooting every nationals uh, or shooting the amount of majors that i have or just cool in the shooting realm is just like mag dumping machine guns yeah that's awesome okay going back by the way of the truck thing i have another thing for you how often are you traveling and you don't have 17 different firearms in your car anyways. Like everywhere that I'm going somewhere, I have my PC, my backup PC. I have my handgun that I carry. Yeah, I might there's, have- there's a lot of guns. So, so you're like talking about like, what do you do if you have to go pee? I go pee, but I lock my doors. Like, yeah. I can't carry um, it most, most of my guns are are put away besides whatever yeah. I'm carrying. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're in zip bags or lock bags or boxes or whatever. But yeah. I am. Um, or if I do have a rifle, I, I've I've rocked the rifle on the passenger seat sandwiched in between there. And I usually just put a jacket over it, yeah. even when I'm driving, too, because I can just, like, yep. take the jacket off and shoot. Well, <laughs> I have you, Hunter. Uh, are there any sponsors that you want to give a shout-out to? Yep. Uh, we're just going to read down the list. Okay. Uh, and we're just going to knock it out. Um, well, I think... Is that, how, is that how we got connected originally with Hunter's HD Gold? I honestly don't know anymore it could have been social media it could have been a match hunter's hd gold was actually one of my first sponsors ever i believe it and i reached out to brian and it was the most arrogant dm i could have sent but it was silly and i think he appreciated it but i was like hey hunter's hd gold i'm like my name's hunter and i win gold and hunter's i'm like this needs to work he's like yeah whatever i'll send you a pair of glasses (laughs) Just kidding. He was way more enthusiastic about that. But, um, uh, you know, I've known Brian for like almost the entirety of my competition shooting career. So he's got to see me progress, which is pretty cool. Um, it's sure. pretty much the exclusive glasses I wear while I'm competing. Um, unless it's at night. I like clears at night. Progress in shooting and digress in adulting. <laughs> yes. Uh, Fieldcraft survival training. Um, they've been with me since like a very early stage of my shooting career, Terran Tactical, base pads, guns, bunch of cool stuff. 
um, Apex Tactical, Hunter's Gold HD, Gerber Holsters, Dylan Precision, AMF Defense, Monsoon Tactical, Surefire, Magpul, Dominant Defense, um, and my mom. There we go. I like the shout out. And I'm going to give Kenzie this entire list to put in the description of this, okay? <laughs> Love it. Uh, Hunter, how can people follow your crazy ass on social media and connect with you? And do you have a website yet? <laughs> um, it is, but it's not released. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, OnlyFans, you have that link? No. I'll, I'll have it to you by the time this releases. Okay. okay. <laughs> not my OnlyFans. My competitive website. Um, but best way is just hit me on Instagram. It's Hunter underscore Constantine, H-U-N-T-E-R underscore C-O-N-S-T-A-N-T-I-N-E. Um, and follow Two Track Nation as well for a bunch of Overland stuff. T-O-W-T-R-A-C-K-N-A-T-I-O-N. Love it. Um, catch me at a major match. Slide in my DMs. <laughs> Let's chit chat about guns. <laughs> Let's talk about things. Whatever you guys want, just hit my line. Yeah, so now we've got some controversial things you can go talk to Hunter about. Um, holster wear, rifle, and the and the truck gun, you know, all sorts of things. So, it's good. Yeah. A lot yeah, of stuff so. to unpack. Dude, thanks for joining me on the podcast and dropping knowledge. Um, and I love your social media presence so much. I've loved it, yeah, since Hunter's HG Gold. I was like, who is this cat? <laughs> social media. Like, this guy's a goober. Um, no, but it's been a pleasure to hang out with you and see you, like, do everything that you do. So, cool sure thanks kenzie thank you for having me heck yeah listeners stay tuned for the next episode of the reticle up podcast and see you guys somewhere on the range thanks for listening to the reticle up podcast be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and on youtube follow along on social media at reticle up or three gun kenzie